Last week I was starting on this sermon. I told you I wouldn't be able to get it all through. Hopefully I can finish it today. Uh, when, when I start talking about identity, that is a huge subject to me. And I know I chunked off a lot of stuff last week, and it was, I hope you enjoyed all of what we broke off from last week. This week we'll go a little further. Let me catch us up for you that weren't there or didn't watch us online. And you can always go online and uh, podcasts and different things and, and uh, catch up on all the sermons that are, that are taking place. But if you didn't get a chance to catch last week's, so let me just give you a little bit of understanding when we're talking about preventing identity theft. Preventing identity theft in your spiritual life. And so we, we talked about from 1 Peter 2 and 9, uh, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. We, we're all of that. That's what we're called to be. That's what he's spoken over us. The problem is, is that many times we lose that identity. I gave you three points uh, from last week that, that I will reiterate. Number one, you give off a reflection that every person in this room, you were different. You weren't made as a substance. You were made as a reflection. So when God said, let us make man in our image, you are the earth's reflection of God. That's, that's your calling in life, is to reflect God. When you are at your highest, you are reflecting God. When you are at your worst, you are not reflecting God. So the only attack then that Satan's ever going to come against you in and the only attack, as we talked about Genesis, where he came to, to Eve, and we talked about in, in Matthew, where he went to Jesus, the only attack Satan will ever use on your life is to steal your identity. For you to choose something other than what God's called you to be. That's why the battle is always the same. Well, Brother Lot, I'm, I'm this, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm a, I'm a drug addict. No, that's, that's the identity that somebody has given you it's not the identity that God gave you. And so you have to decide that I'm going to not accept the identity. I'm not going to step out of my, my place and, and become what the world says I am. I'm going to become what God has declared that I am. So number two is that you're called to be God-like, but you're not called to be like God. You are, you are called to be God-like, that reflection, to be God-like, to be holy, to be God-like. But it's not for you to choose in a position to where I'm like God. I, I, I make my own choices. I make my own decisions. Jesus made it clear in the New Testament. He said, listen, if you love me, you'll obey me. In other words, you're going to reflect me. That's the way it is. The Holy Spirit, I know we make all of this, especially in the Pentecostal area where we come from, and, and, and we make it all about the emotion and all about this. But the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to give you goosebumps during praise and worship. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to transform you, to make you into the image of Christ. When he comes, his whole job is to talk of Jesus. His whole job is to teach you what Jesus would do. His whole job is to show you that Jesus wouldn't do that. And, and you need to be doing this. That's his purpose. And when he's fulfilling his purpose, he is from inside out creating within us an image of Christ in our world. What Jesus would look like if he worked at the grocery store. What Jesus would look like if he was a banker. What Jesus would look like if he was this or that. If he was a housewife or he was a husband. This is what Jesus would look like. So he's reflecting himself all through these areas. So identity then is much more powerful than position. Identity then is much more powerful than position. We talked about, when we talk about leadership, leadership is not who's following you, how many people you have. Leadership is who are you making. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, follow me. Follow me. Why? I will make you fishers of men. That's the whole purpose. So, so I don't get caught up in numbers. Now, numbers will come, but I don't get caught up in numbers. Why? Because if I'm making the 5 or the 10 or the 12 or the 40, if I'm making them what they're to be, then the rest will take care of itself. If I'm pursuing the numbers, then you're going to end up with, what, with a lot of what we have, which is chaos within the four walls of the very place we're supposed to be worshiping God. Now, like I said, this is all from last week. So 
The Spirit then is in the business of making us like Jesus. That's his job. Well, how does he do this? Number three, you must be born again. You must be born again. Now, it doesn't mean to be born. You're born what? Again. That means you were already born. You lost it. And God says, I got to get it back again. You need to understand that. Jesus didn't say, now, now, Nicodemus, you need to be born. No, he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born once more, which means that the spirit now is flipped back over the flesh. Now, that's where we ended on Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5, when, we, when he talked about, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I'd already planned, positioned, I already knew you had you settled at that point. Now, part two. So then understanding that, and I know I, I, know I threw it at real, real fast, but understanding that, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, I, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, telling Nicodemus you must be born again. Well, how does this happen then, Brother Lot? Well, when you were pre-born, when you were fashioned, God formed you. That's when you were born. You, God, God put within you a seed. God put within you a, a code. Something that you were designed to do has nothing to do with your mom. Your mom may not have been able to play the piano. Your, your dad may not have been able to carry a tune. But then all of a sudden you come out and you're the next Adele. You're, 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 you're the next uh, Elvis Presley. You're the next whatever. Well, where did that come from? It came because before you were born, God had already conditioned, positioned, and formed you in the way he wanted to so that you don't have to look at your family line and you don't have to look at all the other things and think that, well, I can't do that because you weren't formed by your mom and dad. Your outer shell takes on their looks. That's why people will always tell you, well, you're just like your daddy. You're, you're just like your mama. No, you need to smile at them and say, only on the outside. Only on the outside, because they didn't form my inside. I have my dad's nose, hairline maybe, I've got my mom's cheeks, I've got whatever, and, and, and whatever you want to describe. But listen to me, when God made me, he formed me and made me special just the way he wanted me to be. And he designed me to accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish, regardless of what anybody else thought. But then what happened? Well, you were born. And the world got a hold of you. And Satan got a hold of you. And you became deformed. Look at the person beside you and say, you got deformed. You were formed. You came into the world and the nature and the flesh and the world, that's, that's what's happening in our world now. That's what the battle is over. How quickly the world can deform somebody. Now they're even at the age of birth, we don't want to say they're a boy or girl. We don't want to give them a gender. Why? Because even at that moment, we want to bring confusion into their life. Let me explain this. All of this is straight from hell. All of this is straight from hell. Because it only has one agenda. We want to create disformed people. We want to disform you. We want to, 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 to take what was formed what God positions you, and instead of letting it work itself out, instead of you becoming inside a mother or father's home and them nurturing you until all of a sudden something blossoms out of you and you're like, wow, I never knew my kid would be great at math. I never knew. Instead of that, now, no, even before you're being born, if we can't kill you before you're born and we already tell God we don't want you in the world, then what we want to be able to do is from the moment you're born to disform you as quickly as we can. We want to make you as confused, as messed up, as insecure, as everything we can. And we want to deform you in the process. So God comes back and he transforms you. He comes back and he transforms you, which literally means this, is that when he's through with you, there's no evidence of what you used to be. If you understood that process in your life, 
that you were formed, deformed, but Jesus came along and said, now I'm going to transform your life. It's, it's not I'm going to make it better. It's not that I'm going to help you. Listen, the problem with most people, even some of you in this church right now, is that you're thinking God is trying to make you better. You're thinking God is trying to help you or work with you. Now, let me explain it to you. Look at the person beside you and say, God's trying to kill you. God don't want no part of what you used to be in the transformation. You say, Brother Lottie, I don't know if that's true. He said, well, then don't read Scripture because Scripture says all things are and some things are made new. No, no, he said, all things are made new. Listen, God doesn't want any of Tim Lott. I tell you this all the time. You never met Tim Lott. You didn't want to meet Tim Lott. You wouldn't have liked Tim Lott. I'll just go ahead and be honest. Tim Lott wouldn't have liked you. That person died a long time ago. What you see now, and when you see me working and serving and doing, and that's what God said I created you to do before you came out of your mother's womb. That was the you that I had in mind way before you ever decided to do anything else. I had that Tim Lot. I knew that Tim Lot. But somewhere in the process, you got deformed. You got messed up. Your identity got stolen. And when they stole your identity, if I I hadn't have come back and reminded you and called you into who you were, you would have been lost. So this transformation, let me explain it to you. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Just to, just to make sure we're on the same page. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become, the word there is metamorphosis. You have totally transitioned from what you used to be to who you are. So, so the power then, and the problem is, is can you get your mind to understand that? Your mind is constantly saying, well, brother Lot, I can't, you know, brother Lot, I still struggle. And I'm thinking, it's not the Jesus problem. In fact, people will say things, and they got a text this week, bro, Lot, I need more power. No, you don't. I text back, and I say, you don't need no more power. You got all the power you need. You don't need no great service where somebody falls out on the floor. You don't need that. That's great if you get it, but you don't need it. The moment God came in, he transformed you. Now go with me to Romans 12 and 2. Listen to what he says. Here's your problem. And do not be conformed. In other words, even though God has transformed you, the world is never going to quit trying to conform you back. That's its job. That's Satan's job. He is the accuser of the saints. That's why he's going to remind you of what you used to do, of what you used to be. He's going to take every opportunity. If you, if you forget something, he's going to say, oh, all them drugs you did years ago, now your mind don't work right no more. And he wants you to start speaking it and repeating it. Well, you know, my mind don't work right. I, I did drugs and now my mind don't work right. I can't remember. That's straight from hell. The world is saying, we want to conform you back to what we think you need to be, but be there's that word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may do what? So that your life then can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, if you understood what I'm fixing, I'm telling you, you would transform the way you live life. You would die to get more scripture in you. You would die to speak. You would stand in front of a mirror every day and say, I am one good looking individual. I'm telling you, when God made me, he threw away the mold. He's never made another one like me. There's never going to be another one like me. I'm telling you what, God was just showing out when he made me. Now, most of you can't do that because when you look in the mirror, you look at what you've been conformed to and you're like, well, I need to lose 10 pounds and I wish I had better stuff and I, my hairline is this. Don't shout now. 
Y'all were just excited 10 minutes ago. But the world is constantly trying to conform you. God is in the transformation business. And that is the battle that you're in. Every single one of us. So what's going to happen is when somebody bumps into me, and I've been transformed, and I'm talking about how good looking I am, and how I'm the apple of God's eye, and all this, and they think I'm think too highly of myself, or I'm or I'm arrogant, or I'm no. I didn't say I was better than you. If you don't know who you are, that's your problem. I'm just telling you, I know who I am. I think you're good looking too. I think God didn't make a mistake when He made you. In fact, part of my ministry is to love God, know who I am, and then lift others up to know who they are. So if I bump into somebody, I don't have these conversations. Well, you know, we both kind of like just stuck in a ditch together. No. I'm like, look, God's got a plan for you. God's not through with you. I don't know, brother. I'm telling you, God is not going to fail. God don't lose by. So I'm going to encourage you to, to look in the mirror and see yourself the way God's made you. That's our job, to encourage one another. So let me give it to you this way. There's a caterpillar, and the caterpillar is this lowly thing, and it's down here, and when it comes into the world, it looks like, Lord, it ain't, it's nothing good. It, it, all it's good for is fish bait. Catch a caterpillar, put it on a hook, and, and, and that's all it's good for. Things just to crawl around eating leaves and, and it, it just ruining tomato plants and all this stuff. And you're like, you're like it, it has no value. Then it goes into a cocoon. And inside that cocoon, the metamorphosis takes place. And when it is finished, it comes out a butterfly. Now, I've never walked into people's offices and seen pictures of caterpillars chewing on leaves. You don't see that. I've never gone into a little girl's room and saw a whole bunch of just green caterpillars and brown caterpillars in it. But butterflies are beautiful, and they make little, little things for the hair, and they put butterflies and pins and hold the hair. And I'm thinking, hold on now. That caterpillar is the same thing as that butterfly. The only difference is you just didn't see it the way God saw it. The problem is, is that you thought it was always a caterpillar. It was meant to be a caterpillar. But listen to me very carefully. FedEx did not bring wings to that caterpillar. UPS didn't, didn't bring him a new body. Everything that that caterpillar needed to become a butterfly was already within him. It was already inside him. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. God is saying, I already put enough in you. I'm just trying to get you to understand who you are, your identity, so that I can get it out of you. That's all I'm ever trying to do. Greater is he that's already in you. So the caterpillar goes into this morphosis and, and he goes into this cocoon and inside of there, he and from the inside creates wings. From the inside grows the legs that he has. From the inside rearranges his body. And when he bursts forth, now he is this butterfly. Let me show it to you scripturally. There's a group by the name of Israel. They are in bondage in Egypt. In Egypt, they're in bondage. Guess what? They're caterpillars. In fact, you will know this because when they get to Canaan and they go in to fight against Canaan, they said, we can't go in. We are like grasshoppers to them. They already had a mindset that we're a caterpillar. We can't fight them. We can't defeat them. We're just going to have to wander around in this desert. And so God says, look, I've already called you to be my people. I've already made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've already brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand and a mighty hand. And taking them out of Egypt only took one night. It only took one night to get them out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. 
You get stuff stuck between your ears and sometimes it's the hardest thing, work you'll ever do is getting it out. What you used to be, the mess up you used to be, the stuff you did in your past, the, the things that you are ashamed of, I, all of that's true. But let me explain it to you. That's the caterpillar stage. That's not the butterfly stage. That's not what God intended you to remain. He said, you went through it, but what I did was I put you in a wilderness. That was their cocoon. He took Israel and said, well, I'm going to put you in this desert and you're going to stay in this desert until you do a metamorphosis. And when you finally do a metamorphosis, then we're going to go in and take Canaan. How do you know that they did a metamorphosis? Because of what Chase had said earlier and talking about the walls of Jericho. Guess what? Different group of people. We're, we're due. We can take on Jericho anyway now. We don't even have to lift up a weapon. Uh, times past, we didn't even think we could come into Canaan. We didn't belong in Canaan. Now we come into Canaan and walk around it and we believe we can shout at the walls and it'll come down. I'm telling you, we're not just simply caterpillars anymore. We are mighty in the name of God. We're strong in God's power. We're able to do more than we think. We're able to conquer. We're able to overcome. So, it's already, look at the person beside you and say, it's already inside you. Your problem is you don't want to go through the cocoon stage for God to get it out of you. God starts to cocoon you. You run to another tree to chew on leaves. I'd just rather just keep chewing on these leaves. At least I'm alive. When did you ever see, when have you ever seen in your life a butterfly go back to being a caterpillar? Now listen to me, there's people that can pretend they're butterflies. There's people that want to tell you they're butterflies. But if you allow God to put you through the metamorphosis and you become a butterfly, you'll never see a butterfly ever go back. So you're saying, Brother Lot, we can't, we, you, know, you know, if once we're that kind of person, we can't. No, no, no. Peter said a very dangerous thing. Peter said something that was scary. He, he said... What could you preach to someone who's already tasted and knows and now has chosen to go back? He said, there is no redemption. There is no coming back. Why? Because once you've been a butterfly, you may still be a butterfly, but your brain has gone back to thinking, I'm a caterpillar. It's not natural. So what are you going to preach to that person who's already heard and tasted? And that's a scary thing. But mostly what we see is people that never became. Let me just say this because I'm in this profession. The scariest and the craziest thing will ever happen to somebody is somebody to grow a church real quick. It's the most dangerous thing that will ever happen. 99.9% .9 of the time, they're either going to commit suicide, they're going to run off with their secretary, they're going to have issues, they're going to have... Why? Because without the cocoon, you're just a caterpillar pretending to be something you're not. It only took me 28 years to become this. But what I am today, it's natural to me. Do you understand? It's just who I am. I'm P. Lot. I'm Pastor Lot. I'm, I'm, I'm. I didn't wake up one day and say, look, now this is what y'all want y'all to call me. This, this is who I am. I just want y'all to know if you're going to be around me. No. You just hang around me. Doesn't matter if it's people around here. Doesn't take very long. Hey, Pastor. Pastor. I didn't tell you to say that. No, no, it didn't take us very long, though, to realize that's who you are. And it's not because, it's not because it, it, it just happened. It's because God has a process. He said, Tim, when I found you, you were a caterpillar. You were messed up. You were deformed. And I've transformed, been in the process of transforming you for all these years. So let me say this. God loves and, and 
has created and loves us equally. There's not one of you in this room that's better than me. There's not one of you in this room that's worse than me. He created every single one of us equal in love. Where we get in the problem is He's designed every one of us differently. It's like this week, one of the funniest things and one of the most beautiful things I get to do is I get to put the forks in the, in the little dispenser. That is so cool. Because I tell Tim Hodges to come over there next to me. And Tim's done drop forks on the floor two or three times. This, Tim can build cabinets and Tim can, I mean, he can, he can do all kind of woodwork and design. And, but I tell Tim, I say, Tim, just stand here and watch me. Now, it may not seem like much to you, but it's good to know you can do something. And God designed you for something. The key is, is quit trying to be like somebody. Quit trying to dress like somebody. Quit trying to be something that somebody's already been. And figure out who it is you are. And be the best who you are that there's ever been. What we do is we look on Facebook and we check everybody else's clothes and what everybody else is wearing. And, we're, and, and somebody comes along and says, I can't wear Walmart stuff. Why not? It'll cover your skin just like it does anything else. Oh, no, I, I, that stuff don't fit right. Don't, don't. Like, great. Don't get me wrong. If you can afford whatever else you want to buy, knock yourself out. But none of that's going to determine my identity. So if I walk around here in a pair of old shorts that's just like worn out and I got a, just a $5 t-shirt from Walmart, you know what? I'm still Tim Lott. I'm okay. Because my identity is the most important thing I possess. It's the most important thing I possess. If I lose that, I've lost everything. So God loves us equally, but he's designed us differently. So every one of us in this room was designed for one thing that is done in a multitude of ways. Whether you're a mom, a dad, a mechanic, or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. Everyone in this room was designed to do a job, and that's to worship God. But we do it differently. See, Abraham worshiped God by believing God would give him a kid for 25 years. Isaac believed in worshiping God by digging wells in the middle of a famine. Shall we go on to Jacob and Daniel decided I'm going to worship God even if there's lions in front of me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says I'm going to worship God even if you build a fire and say you're going to throw us in it. No matter what job we had, no matter what career, we were all born to do one particular thing. Even all seasons when we're doing this and, and we're building stuff, do you understand? We're not building things, we're worshiping God. That's all we're doing. We've come together and decided we're going to worship God and make God bigger than he is. We're going we're to worship God and lift him up. Oh, I don't see how building a kitchen makes God bigger. Oh, yeah, them people that walk through and their mouths are wide open and they're thinking, wow, God has been. You mean tell you what you've been doing? You've been worshiping. I ain't hardly ever see people leave altars and go, wow. I'm telling you, this is so, no, but I've seen people walk through kitchens. I've seen people walk through dorms. I've seen people watch everything that's going on and think, my goodness, God is good. Yeah, he's good. He's real good. And he's real mighty and he's real powerful and he's awesome. And if you know what, you keep lifting him up, all of a sudden people will see him. If you're a mechanic and you're lifting him up, if you're a mom and you're lifting, it's not one particular thing. We all are called to worship. Let me explain why. It's because when God creates hierarchy, He never gives it all to one. So there's three archangels. There's Gabriel, there's Michael, there's Lucifer. Gabriel is the heralder, the voice, the, the one that introduces, that speaks. There's Michael, he is the fighter. He is the warrior, archangel. If God wants to fight, sends Michael. And then there was Lucifer. He was the worshiper. But Lucifer decided that worshiping, I don't, I don't want to just worship. I want to be worshipped. I, I want to ascend from my identity, and I want my identity to change. 
And God, of course, we know, cast him down and took him from his position. So when God created man, guess what he created him to do? He had one slot open. One position that wasn't covered. He said, I need to create something that will worship me. So when you look at Satan and you wonder, why is he so mad at me? Why does he want to kill me? Because listen to me, you took his job. And every time he walks into a building and he just cringes and thinks I'm going to stop, and he walks in and people are lifting up God and worshiping God, he turns around and says, I can't take this. I'm, I'm just not going to, hey, I'm not going to stand around here and hear people worship God and lift up God. I'm not going. And that's what you were designed to do. That's what you were built to do. So number two. Prosperity then, it's not about where you're going. You got to get this right. True prosperity in your life is not about where you're going. It's not some destination. It's not a new car. It's not a house. It's not a building. It's not. Prosperity has nothing to do with where you're going. Prosperity is who you're becoming. True prosperity is who you are becoming in the process. And when you understand that, it will transform the way you live life. Let me, let me explain it this way. God already has a prepared place for you. He already says, I have prepared a place for you. When you die, there is a prepared place. During your life, there is a prepared place. If a new car is in the, in the mix, God says, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. Don't worry, a new car, it's, it's ahead of you. You don't worry, a better house, it's ahead of you. Don't worry, a better job, it's ahead of you. And so what we do is we, we're like, well, I want to hurry up and get to there. Brother Lot, pray that God will give me that car. God, pray, Brother Lot, that God will open that door. Pray, Brother Lot, that God will finally just, just give me what it is I'm wanting. And, and let me explain this to you. God won't. Because God doesn't care about the prepared place. God cares about what you're becoming. The prepared place is not what he wants, is your identity. How do you know if somebody got something or went and did something or achieved something, but it wasn't the right time? It's because their identity then will be attached to the thing. That's how you know it. If God comes along and says, hey, I need you to quit your job. God, you know I can't quit that job. Because they understand my prosperity is attached to my job. See, you, you, you took a job before you should have took the job. You should have never took the job until you already had it in your mind that this job doesn't make or break me. This job doesn't mean no more today and it will tomorrow. If God tells me tomorrow to quit this job, I'll walk right in that office and look him in the eye and say, I'm through. How can you quit, man? How... It's real easy. God told me to. This job didn't make me before I walked in here, and this job won't make me after I leave. This car, if, if you go buy a car you're not supposed to buy, you're paying a payment you're not supposed to pay, and all of a sudden, guess what your identity is? Your car. That's why on Friday nights you can be driving around putting in black tinted windows and wanting to be cool. And everybody walks up to you, boy, I like your car. Thanks, man. Then you go home and eat ramen noodles because you ain't got no more money. Am I being honest? You go home and fuss about, you know, the drunk car payment, you know, they raised my insurance. It's like, I can't afford this. Thing. I can't sell it, though, because if I sell it, everybody laugh at me because I couldn't pay for the car. Don't scratch it. Don't touch it. Don't mess with it. It's my identity. Look, you open my door of my truck, you allowed to see crystal burger things, things sitting there. and everything. You know why? Because it's a truck. It wasn't my identity before I got it. Now, don't get me wrong. I changed the oil. I want it to last as long as it goes. I don't want it to do no more. But it's not my identity. If God says, give it away tomorrow, you can have it. What is it that is your identity? 
That's why God says, I'll never put you in the prepared place until I know that your identity is not attached to it. That's why Israel wandered around in the desert for 40 years, because God could not give it to them, because if God had given it to them, they would have already attached it to their identity, which later they do. Remember? This is ours. This is ours. This is ours. They fell in love with a temple. They fell in love with kings. They fell in love. Why? Because God says, don't fall in love with a prepared thing. Fall in love with your identity. All right. I'll show it to you. Go with me to Galatians 3 and 29. We're going. Galatians 3 and 29. The first part is identity, right? Let me show you how the process works. Number one, identity. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the... Okay, so... The first step is your identity. If you are what? In Christ. Look at the person beside you and say, are you in Christ? Look at them again and say, is there something you're doing right now that you know Jesus does not want you doing? Then let me explain this to you. You're not in Christ. It didn't say believing. It didn't say, it said being in him. So the first thing I have to do is I have to allow myself, my identity comes through Christ. My only identity is in Christ. My identity is not in this world. It's not in anything. My dad passed away this, this year, and, and you would think, oh, I bet it's been sad. I hadn't really thought about it. I know where my dad is. I know all that stuff. Why? Because my identity is in Christ. I... I, I I'm sorry, I guess it may bother people, but I, it, don't, it don't bother me like that. I, I, my identity is in Christ. I know where he is. I don't go home and look at my golf clubs every day just to make sure they're sitting in the closet. Just wanted to make sure. Why? Because my identity, I know where they are. Right? Because I know that, I'm confident in that, so my identity is in Christ. And all those things that he says, he says, well, what if you died? I already have a home. I ain't got nothing to worry about. Y'all get rid of me here, man. If the devil finds a way to get me out of this old world, he's just sending me home. You think that's scaring me? My identity is in Christ. So if my identity is in Christ, notice what it says. Then, then you are the Abraham's seed. Now what does that mean? Okay, well go with me to Genesis 12, 2 through 3. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. That's what it says. He looks at Abraham and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be so guess what? When, when we're doing things around here or, or we're doing ministry, or we're do, you think it's a shock to me that we get blessed? You think it's a shock to me that God is pouring out blessings and doing? Do you think it's a shock that our church is growing? Do you think it's a shock that... No! It's part of what was guaranteed. If I am in Christ, if I'm living my life in Christ then doors are going to open that nobody can open. And doors are going to close that nobody else can close. And things are going to happen. I'm not worried about COVID. I'm not worried about cancer. I'm not worried about what somebody else says about me. I don't look on Facebook. I don't even have Facebook. I could care less what everybody else is doing because I'm the biggest blessing you ever going to meet. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I have the blessings of Abraham all over my life. Why? Because I'm in Christ. So my identity creates my, my, my prosperity. Now go with me to the next one. I'll show you what else it does. It takes you to the third level. Romans 8 and 17. Is this okay? I know I'm teaching a lot. And, and, and I know this is, you're going to have to go home and just reread this. Because some of this is like, it's blowing some of y'all's mind. Like, like really? Yeah, really. It's you. And if children, then 
Okay, so you got that, right? If you're a child of God through Jesus Christ, my identity, then I'm an heir to Abraham. I don't want you to think I'm preaching something Paul didn't preach. He said, look, if you're a child, then you're an heir to all the promises. This is what it says. Heirs of God and joint heirs with If indeed you suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So what happens is, is that if I am living my life, my identity is in Christ, my prosperity is through his blessing, now I have become an heir to the, I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. Not later, now. And the same authority that Jesus has, he has bestowed upon his children. Those that believe will do what? Cast out demons. Those that believe will do what? Because you're heirs. Identity leads to prosperity, leads to authority. I'm going to tell you where we mess up. We don't want to work on our identity. We want the prosperity. And we want authority. But without identity, none of the others come. So you have a church is struggling with their identity who can't produce any power or any authority. And the world works on them just like it does everything else. This is our Christian world. We want to dress like them. We want to walk like them. We want to talk like them. We want to watch the same stuff. We want to do the same things. We want to, and then we want authority. So that when we pray, heaven shakes. And we want prosperity. Well, if your hope is in your 401k, just like it is the world's 401k, well, you're going to be mad that last week you lost money just like they lost money. Because you're both attached to the same world. Is, is this okay? Let me give you two things. Is it okay if I come back next week and do one more week of this? Okay. I'm, I'm not finished, so I, I'm going to come back next week and, and, and wrap this up. But let me give you two things as I'm closing right now. And I'll come back and touch on these later. Number one, God created you. Two things I want you to really focus on this week. God created you. So man can't counsel you. Now I want you to wrestle with that. God's the one that created you, designed you, fashioned you. So man does not have the authority or the power to counsel you. Oh, oh. Satan will tell you, you're going to end up here. You're going to end up here. This is not going to work. That's, let me give you some insight on Satan. Satan was a created being. He's a fallen angel. He does not have the capacity to see tomorrow. He can only see the horizon. So he sees what you see. He sees the horizon. He sees, oh man. Ah. And he says, you know what's going to happen bad. You know what's going to happen bad and he wants you to buy his report there's only one who knows your tomorrow and says I hold your tomorrow in my hand and that's God so if I'm in Christ whatever Satan says I'm like well if you had any authority I'd worry about you but the fact is you don't hold my tomorrow you don't even own the keys to your own house no more number two and I'll come back and touch on this more. Number two, blessings then flow. The blessings of your life flow in proportion to your self-identity. The stronger you are in self-identity, the more blessings will flow. Let me explain this a little bit. Go with me in your Bibles. And let me put one scripture and I'll, I'll deal with this more. Go to 1 John 4 and 17. This is, this is one of those scriptures Brother Rouse used to say years ago, Pastor Lot can take one scripture and preach three weeks. This is one of those scriptures. 
This, this is one of those scriptures right here that messes me up. And at the same time, it empowers me. And I hope it'll do this thing. You need to write this scripture and you need to wrestle this one out. Love has been perfected among us in this. So God says, I'm trying to perfect you, perfect you in love, perfect you through the Holy Spirit, perfecting you. Okay, that's what we've been talking about. Your identity, perfecting you. Love has been perfected among you in this, that we may have boldness in the day of what? So the day that I die, just like I've been telling you, if I die, Lord, let me get on out of here. I've got boldness in the day of judgment. Because he's perfected me in love, boldness now is what I live in. I live in boldness. Hey, let's build a camp during COVID. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? We all go broke. We all have to pay extra money for the rest of our lives. Pay it back. I didn't tell you all that, but that could have happened. Just thought I'd just leave that off the table. But the mindset was nobody thought that. Why? Because we have boldness because of our identity. Hey, Lord, God's brought us through a lot tougher stuff than this. God's, God's let us see a lot of crazier things. We've done more crazy things than this. God's seen us through all of them. So we have boldness in the time of judgment. But here's the key. Because, why, why do we have boldness in the time of judgment? Because as He is right now, where is Jesus right now, Kenneth? He's on the right hand of the Father. All authority, all power's been given to me. Everything's been given to me. So he controls it all, rules it all, reigns over it all. He, he's bad to the bone, right? So as he is, so are we where? In this world. Now I want you to go home and I want you to think about your identity there. He said, all the power that I have in heaven, I've given to you down there. The authority I have up here, when somebody says something crazy and dumb like this, and I'm sorry I use these words crazy and dumb, but they are. Well, you know, God could do anything. I just want to look at him and say, so can you. And I get that, look, what do you mean? I, I can't do everything. Yeah, you can. As Christ is. He said, I'm here. And he's given you promise. He said, ask anything in my name. My God shall supply all your needs. He's already given you all these promises. And James, John comes along and says, let me put it to you in a sentence. As he is, not as he will be or as he was, but as he is right now. So is every one of you in this world. Now the question is, is that your identity? Do you know that greater is He that's working in you than anything that will ever affect you in this world? Do you know you have the power to lay your hand on your own head and say, all right, brain. All right, body. Do you realize the thought? Do you realize the power? You are not a caterpillar crawling around eating a leaf. You have been transformed. And you are the butterfly that can fly from tree to tree and go into heights that, that a caterpillar will never see. That's who you are. You'll almost see Sometimes it just gets all over me. If you can just know who you are, young person, it's not your outer shell. It's not whether somebody thinks you're cute or beautiful or skinny or fat or whatever they think. It don't matter. That's your outer shell. It don't matter if you were the smartest person in the class or you were finished, just made it through, just got your diploma just by the skin of your teeth. It don't matter. It don't matter if people pat you on the back or nobody's ever patted you on the back. It don't matter. He formed you. He designed you. He fashioned you. And He didn't make no junk. Will you stand?
Next week I will try to wrap all this up. But what I've said today, it has to be wrestled out. Next week I'll, I'll probably give an altar call and there will be a, a different purpose for this. But listen to me very carefully. Like the lady with the issue of blood, she had to know her identity. She had to know that I, if I touch him, I'll be healed. It's, it's, it's like... It's like the centurion that looked and said, Jesus, if you just speak the word, my, my servant will be here. You don't have to come to my house. There's a certain amount of identity that you need to understand before you can come to the throne boldly. That's what Paul said. Come to his throne boldly, making your request known. Why? Because you know who you are. I don't come as a caterpillar. I come as an heir and a joint heir. I come as one that's seated with Christ in heavenly place. I come as one doing work for the kingdom. And I can go to the Father and say, as I'm doing work for the kingdom, I need your help. I, I need you. I can't do this in my own flesh. I need you. Father, I'm speaking that this will take place. And I'm speaking you're going to break free here. And I'm speaking, and it takes boldness to do that. And, it, and some of you in this room, you can do it right now. And you can just go home and do it if you want to. But there's some of you that need to take what I've said today. And you've got to wrestle this out. You've got to change the identity that you have right here. I don't care what you were. I don't care what you did. I don't care what the world calls you when you walk in the door. Oh, there's Tim. Blankety blank, 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 blank. I know what he used to do. You've got to get past all of that and see yourself the way God sees you because identity creates your prosperity which gives you your authority will you pray with me Father Father I pray that they get this this is so important I pray that they don't miss this. Because what's working inside of them is more powerful than anything that's ever existed in this world. The answer to their family problems is inside them. The answer to their marriage is inside them. The answer to their job down the road and their house down the road and their, their car that one day don't, don't, don't require being filled up with water every few, two few days so it won't burn up. It, it, it's, it's inside of them. But God, they've got to go through the metamorphosis and have the identity to expect greatness. Father, I speak that right now over that person that's struggling and the enemy is pounding them over who they were and what they used to do and what they did. And, and he says, you'll never change. God, let them understand they already have. They already have. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, go give that old devil fits.